Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode of October 8th, 2019. Today's segments include What You Working On, Retreat Roundup, and In the Kitchen. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So Erica, what have you been working on this last couple of weeks? Well, it will seem like a lot because it has been like a month since we recorded a podcast. Um, we're, I think, going to stop pretending like this is weekly and it will just be when when we get a chance, weekly if possible. Um, we had our first out-of-state show um, in a while, so we went to just outside of Dayton, Ohio, um, and then we had our fifth annual fall retreat, which is a crazy busy um, weekend. And then we had a weekend where we stayed close to home. And then I'm going to be out of state both of the next two weekends um, in Michigan and then in Ohio. Uh, so it's been a little bit of a busy time. We've been doing a lot more. Dave has been doing a lot more dyeing stuff as well. Um, so I have been working on, I'll start with the things most recently and go back as far as I remember. Um, I am making Halloween costumes for the kiddos. Um, I am actually making them like a light fall coat, um, that I'm putting ears on and that will be part of their Halloween costume. Um, and then I will make pants that match. Um, and they both have chosen to be characters from one of their favorite cartoons, um, the Octonauts. So Poppy is going to be a green underwater bunny rabbit. Um, and Rowan is going to be a brown underwater doggy that wears hair clips. And he's most excited about the hair clip element. To be fair, they are in a submarine. <laughs> I'm not sure that makes it less weird. <laughs> anyway, um, I got the fabric for that. They're both, um, both of the outers are like corduroy fabric. So a green corduroy and a brown corduroy. And then I found like a faux fur sort of fabric that matches. So a green fur for the rabbit and a brown fur for the, for the dog. Um, I found all of the fabric. They each got to pick out their own fabric. Um, and we went to the recycled crafting materials um, shop in the Fountain Square area of Indianapolis called Recraft that I've talked about before and I really love. Um, and so they got to choose their fabric and I have enough of the corduroy to make the coats and matching pants, which hopefully they will not want to wear together other than on Halloween because I think it will be a lot of look. Um, but I think it will hold up well for both coats and pants. Um, and then I had a pattern already that I had made a coat for, um, for Rowan last year that he is slightly outgrown, so he kind of needed a new one anyway. Um, so I already had the, the pattern and, and all of that stuff, and then I'm lining them with flannel, um, and Poppy is the green bunny rabbit. I have already finished the coat, and I lined it with um, a an alligator on an orange background um, flannel that's on the inside. So it's kind of got the orange and green for Halloween. The alligator matches the uh, aquatic theme. The whole thing looks a little bit mad if you're not familiar with the TV show um, as green and bunny rabbits and alligator crocodile. I don't know how to tell the difference. I know there's a way, I just don't know it. Um, all together look a little bit nuts, um, but that's okay. She's happy. So. That's how Poppy will normally dress anyway. So it's true. It's um, so I made ears that um, that's kind of stick up because the the uh, faux fur is has a little bit of stiffness to it. It's adorable. I'm really pleased with it. I just need to put some sort of closure, like uh, snaps or buttons, on it. 
um, and that will be finished. And then I've got the pieces are all ready to go. I just need to sew it together for um, for the brown doggy one. Um, so that's the sewing. On my cutting table, I also have about 20 new bags for our beginning knitting uh, kits. We are getting through those at a, at a good clip, which is lovely. Um, but these are on the truck. We do a skein of our hand dye, of Dave's hand dyed yarn, and then the original pattern that I wrote for a sampler scarf and all the videos uh, teach you how to knit. Um, and then I am sewing the bag that that fits into um, for every um, for every one of the kits out of um, reused fabric that comes from from recraft as well. Uh, so when it's a it comes with your own knitting bag, um, which is fun, uh, and it also saves us having to order a bunch of plastic um, packaging to put them in. Um, but it does mean I ha am endlessly making these bags. <laughs> uh, I've got it down to a fine art. I can do about twenty bags in an hour, um, but it's taken me a, a bit of trial and error to get to that point. I would say I'm endlessly dyeing the yarn, but I'm waiting on more base to come in from our um, supplier. So I will be endlessly dyeing yarn as soon as it comes back in, as we are very, very low on the yarn that goes in that kit. Yep. Um, I have also been knitting on the the first sweater that I have made for myself in about five years. Um, I was hoping to have it done by now for the start of the cooler weather. It's not quite finished yet, and by not quite finished, I mean it's really not even all that close to finish. Um, but it is out of a sock yarn, so I'm using a, a Malabrigo sock yarn for the main color is a bright blue. And then um, I'm using our micro skeins, um, which are 10 gram, like 10 of them make up a 100 gram ball of normal sock yarn. Um, so I'm using 10 different colors and making stripes and they're bright. Um, so that it goes from like bright green through yellows and oranges and pinks um, uh, to have a, an interesting striping detail that starts at the neckline and goes down um, all the way down the sweater. So I'm excited about it. It's fun. I really want to finish it. I will eventually finish it and write the pattern up and that will be available too. But for now, I'm just making it for me. We were hoping to have that sweater available for the release of our palette micro skeins, which we've only taken to, to, we were hoping to have that ready for the release of our palette uh, micro skeins, which are 20 mini skeins um, that all to go together in one continuous um, circle. Uh, but we took that to a couple of events, once on our retreat and then once to uh, Yellow Springs as a kind of pre-release event there. And we've nearly sold out the first batch. So we are releasing Palette. It will be available on the truck from now on. We'll have it up online soon. And then the pattern will follow later on when we have a bit more of a chance to complete it. Um, this is quite a complex pattern Eric is working on, but I think it's going to turn out really cool. Um, I'm also working on a beginning crochet uh, sampler scarf that will be released um, here just as soon as I can get uh, the sample done and all of my videos recorded for that. Um, it'll be very similar formatting to the beginning knitting kit, um, just for crochet. Um, so it's going to go through a bunch of different stitches and a bunch of different techniques and kind of the basics of pattern reading um, for crochet. And we'll include a crochet hook um, and your, your pattern and all of your notions and things just like the knitting one. Um, and a skein of the same twisted branch yarn, which we think is particularly beginner friendly to work with. We know that's a little bit overdue, but um, we can't release it yet anyway because we are waiting on more of the yarn to be made and there's been a much longer uh, delay on production of that yarn at the mill than we expected. Um, so we've kind of put that on the back burner. It will be available as soon as we have yarn to go in kits. Um, so I'm down to about 12 skeins total of the Twisted Branch 
um, plus about 10 kits uh, with that yarn in for the uh, beginning knitting. I'm waiting on about 400 skeins of that yarn to come back in so I can do another batch in the studio. So that should all come out together, hopefully. Yep. Plus a couple of new colors, we're thinking. And I have been knitting very occasionally on a piece that I've been working on for like two years now. It's a start at one end narrow um, and just get bigger at the end of every fourth row, kind of a triangular uh, striping uh, shawl that I'm doing out of my own hand spun. Um, it's a gradient of purples from a super light purple to a super, super dark purple. Um, and so when you stripe one, uh, two rows from one end of the ball and then two rows from the other end of the ball, you get like a light purple and a dark purple on one end. And then as the shawl gets bigger, um, the two colored stripes end up much closer to the same color as you get into like the mid purple in the middle of the ball. Uh, so I think it's a fun look to it. Um, and I do like 10 rows on it every once in a while when I just need some sort of a brain break. Um, so I've, I've picked that back up again. Um, and that's about the extent of my, uh, my crafting for the last few weeks. I've, I've been feeling like I'm having a hard time settling down to do anything. Um, so I don't feel like I've been as productive in the last few weeks. You've um, just listed off like 30 things you completed. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in your head. And Dave, what have you been working on over the last few weeks? Well, I was getting everything uh, ready for the retreat. So um, all the uh, food, I produce most of it here. Um, so I was getting that ready, uh, getting um, my class materials ready as I was teaching uh, three out of the classes. Um, and then I have been dying like a crazy fool. Um, I finished all of our microscanes, got those wound out and uh, put on the truck. And then I have two more yarn lines which are gonna be coming out as soon as the labels come out. Um, so the first one is called Feast. This is a um, super chunky, it's a merino and a little touch of nylon soft spun, uh, 72 yards in 100 grams. So it's really chunky, recommends like a US 13 to 15. Um, and it's similar to Malambrigo Rasta, if you're familiar with that yarn. Yeah, close. Rasta's very slightly thicker, I think, um, but it's around the same kind of thickness. It looks very similar. Um, I think this is a little bit better than Rasta. It has a bit more drape to it, um, just because it's a little bit thinner. Uh, but you still get that kind of super chunkiness out of it. Um, so that is all in hand paint colors, and we base those all on holiday foods. Um, so there's a wild turkey colorway, there's a spice box colorway, um, there's um, a flint corn colorway. So those are really fun, um, lots of jewel tones. It's super soft. We had that as a pre-release at uh, the retreat, and the spice box colorway I think we're gonna have to dye some more of. Um, as we don't have much of that left. Uh, and we will be taking that. We are going to Ann Arbor, Michigan, our farthest away uh, yarn show. Um, we are going there this weekend, so that will come with us um, this weekend for sure. And then a second yarn is Fireworks. Um, this is just drying right now. I should be able to skein it up tomorrow. This is a dip dye effect. Um, so I used uh, two different colors and then kind of dipped them slowly lowering the skeins into dye baths um, cool and then steam set them um, so you have two colors that are fairly close that fade into each other um, this is a really interesting base this is another merino soft spun but instead of nylon we've got a silver stellina in there so this is sparkly the uh, cold dye bath method which is a very low acid method 
um, and keeping everything cool until um, a very gentle heat keeps the stellar in there really, really bright. So they have a lot of a very bright silver sparkle to them um, in this beautiful soft spun fingering. That's about 400 and something yards um, in the 100 grams. So it's a true fingering weight. Uh, so that'll be beautiful for kind of winter shawls and light scarves and things like that. I believe it's superwash, so you could use it for socks too, although I never recommend a soft spun for socks. I have a, I have a scarf pattern in mind that I want to do with it. Um, so both of those will be coming out very, very soon. Um, and then I have been prepping today uh, for a, a silk dyeing uh, scarf I'm going to be teaching at the Avon Library. Um, another couple of things I've been working on, lots of admin. Um, we will be announcing very soon regular stops. Um, we kind of mixed up what we were doing from our original regular stops. Uh, we've now worked out kind of how that works for us, which places people want to see us um, and how often. So we will have a series of uh, six regular stops, um, which we're going to be testing a couple of them out. Um, but those will hopefully be going on um, into the new year, well into the new year, um, if they continue to work for us. So expect uh, a bunch of regular stops coming up uh, very soon. You'll see on the trucks so you'll always be able to find us. We also have another cool um, thing coming up that I'm working on. We will have a Nomad Yarns Dropbox um, set up very soon in a local store um, where you will be able to get us to drop stuff off for you to pick up anytime during their store hours. Um, so we'll be able to do a lot more stuff with our online store, phone ordering, um, things that you found at the truck. Um, and then in my painting studio, I've been... Um, painting some of my own stuff. I've uh, produced some, um, did a lot of minimizing in our house and in that kind of studio. And I've been working through a lot of commission projects. Um, so I've tied up a big space and gonna be able to put my own gaming table in there so I can actually play some of the miniatures games that I paint for myself and other people. I've been getting a lot of terrain done as well as uh, just powering through some projects that I've had sat um, on the side for a while. I'm hoping to be done with all of the projects I have backlogged here um, kind of by the end of November, like first or second week of December, um, which will give me a break at the end of the year before I start bringing new stuff in. Um, so yeah, lots of fun stuff going on in my life. So Erica, do you want to start us with our retreat rundown? Sure. Um, so just in case that people have not been to a crafting retreat, which I think is probably most people, um, I think it's still the minority of people who have, um, have had the chance or inclination to go, uh, we wanted to talk about what, what that looks like. Um, we had intended to do some recording and some live question answering of people at the retreat, and it turns out we were very, very tired. <laughs> Everyone else was very, very tired as well. We uh, offered the opportunity to do a recording, um, and if anyone had any questions they wanted to do with us uh, for the podcast, and uh, they all just looked exhausted. <laughs> Um, so, and every crafting retreat is going to look a little bit different, but this is what ours looked like. Um, this is our fifth year for running it, so we've kind of fine-tuned things a little bit. Uh, but we, uh, people arrive at about 9 o'clock, or it was 10 o'clock in the morning. 10 o'clock, nice, nice, relaxed um, start time. On a Saturday. Um, and 
I think that it's the most fun at retreats to have a fair amount of unstructured time where you can mostly just sit around and do your craft because that's what most people want. <laughs> um, and so we um, we fed them. Uh, there was coffee and donuts and tea when people came in. And, and we like to make sure that we are supporting as many um, local things as possible. Also keeping everything sustainable. So we'll talk about this kind of as we get through the food. For this, we used um, some uh, coffee from Timber City Coffee Roasters, which is a local coffee roaster here in Plainfield. And also we got donuts from Owl's Donuts, which is a Plainfield kind of institution. They've been here for years. I think the original Owl passed away some time ago, um, but the donuts are still fantastic. They are, and they open like at 3 a.m. Um, and they close when they've sold all the all the donuts that they made. And so they're normally closed before seven, but it, some days they'll go until eight or nine. Um, but it's kind of fun and the timber house coffee is very they're very nice to my kids when we go in they also have a little cupcake shop um, in the coffee roasters um, and so we get the kids a cupcake and they're always very sweet um, Rowan had a temper tantrum he's the almost two-year-old um, because I took the paper off his cupcake and it was the worst thing that ever happened and so they went in the back and got him a new like muffin liner tin thing out of the kitchen and, and brought it to him so that he wasn't upset anymore it was just very sweet um, I know as a business owner myself and certainly interacting with other businesses being nice to tiny children especially ones that are screaming um, it can sometimes be a challenge so I really appreciate it when businesses <laughs> go out of their way to be accommodating um, but uh, I forget what I was actually supposed to be talking about. <laughs> you were talking about people showing up before I interrupted you. Okay. Um, so everybody arrived. It is a bring your own, um, like a bedding kind of a retreat center. Um, so they are, they're bunk beds. We were able to get most people a bottom bunk, but not, not everybody. There were a few top bunkers. Um, but so everybody kind of had a few hours to bring their things in, get themselves situated, make up and choose their beds, get a drink, um, uh, kind of find friends that they might have been meeting there or make new ones if they um, if they came on their own or um, or just wanted to, to get to know the other people. It felt like a very cohesive group. It felt like everybody was was happy. We had two buildings. There was the main building. Um, where we taught all the classes and did all of the meals, um, but then we needed more beds than just that one. So we had a secondary cabin space, which had a little seating area in the middle. And I thought there might have been some breakaway groups that would, would spend more of their time in there, but that, that's not how it happened, for which I'm grateful. I think there were just over 30 people at the retreat this time. Um, and Inc Including us. I think we had 28 or 29 retreat goers this year, which is about 10 more than we've had in previous years. We were pushing to try and make it a little bit bigger this year. And it felt like a good group. It felt busy um, and kind of active, but not too much. Um, I think um, we could push it maybe kind of 10 people more, but I think beyond that, uh, that's not really what we want our retreat to be. We want to keep them fairly um, small and fun for everyone. Yep. Um, but then after check-in, but before lunch, um, Dave was taking like three people at a time to do silk scarf dyeing. Um, he has perfected his method. We have silk scarves, hand-dyed silk scarves for sale on the truck. He's kind of perfected his method for, for teaching that and doing that. 
um, and he sets them in the microwave. Um, and so it was beautiful weather, and we did all of the dyeing outside, which is nice. Um, we don't have to worry about making a mess in the, in the uh, retreat center. Um, but he would uh, would pull just a couple of people at a time um, out to do their silk scarf dyeing, and then they were hanging them up in the trees outside to dry. And it was really pretty, all the different colored silk like fluttering in the wind. Um, then they did have to take them down because it's spring started to sprinkle rain in the um, like in the evening time, um, but it was very pretty while it lasted. And then we had lunch. We did a trio of soups. Um, everybody got to choose what soup they wanted. Um, and what went with the soups? Uh, we just had fresh bread with the soup. Um, so soup and bread. Um, and, and then banoffee pie for dessert. Banoffee pie, which for a long time when I moved to England, this is a, a dessert that they eat in England much more so than in the U.S., um, I thought it was like a fancy, it sounds exotic, banoffee pie. It's banana toffee, yeah, which, it's sounds, just <laughs> which sounds significantly less fancy than I thought that it was. But it's very delicious. Um, so I will be doing a couple of recipes from the retreat in my In the Kitchen segment, which is why we've tacked that onto this episode. Um, but the three soups were a um, Thai butternut squash soup, um, which will be one of the recipes that I give you. Uh, we did a sweet onion like a french onion soup but without the cheesy crouton thing um and then i did a lentil as well um and we had some bacon for people who want to add that in uh so all three of the soups were vegan um we had a couple of vegetarians there um and then we had the option of adding bacon into them if you really wanted to um and then uh, yeah lots and lots of banoffee pie i made too much banoffee <laughs> we got we got through nearly all of it by the end of the retreat because there were a couple of people who kept asking for more. <laughs> it is good enough that I would have wanted it for breakfast and lunch and dinner. <laughs> um, and after lunch, Dave took slightly larger groups to do some yarn dyeing. Um, and we actually we tested out a new uh, yarn dyeing technique where we actually had people dye their yarn in tennis ball tubes. We have a lot of tennis ball tubes. Uh, we are fortunate enough to be working with our local racket club and they save their tennis ball tubes for us. Um, they are great for packaging up our, um, our yarn. One single skein of yarn fits perfectly inside one. So we make uh, kits up with these. Uh, they work great for packing our micro skein color packs in. You just drop your skeins in, 10 micro skeins fit perfectly in one of these. Uh, one of these tubes and we can put the yarn information like on a sticker on the front. Um, it's a great uh, way to use the tubes for something else before they go into the landfill. Um, we but also use them for mailing as well. So if you order um, one or two skeins from us, if they fit in a tensible tube, we will ship them in a tensible tube because we can send those <laughs> straight through the mail. Um, so that's a really cool way of getting your yarn. You can see it as it arrives at your door. Um, and so Dave, they did their yarn dyeing in the tennis ball tubes and I was busy doing other things and I don't actually know what technique you used, but it looked pretty. Dave, why don't you talk um, about how they dyed the yarn? We a sun dyeing method. Um, so it's a slow um, setting method that gives you a lot of kind of variation um, in the skein. So we actually used some of the local uh, lookout farms alpaca yarn. Um, I had several white alpacas. Um, their fleeces. The cool thing about that yarn, um, we purchased out all of the um, yarn that they had left when they retired um, and it actually has the picture of the alpaca and its name on every single skein. 
Um, so they got to choose. I believe we used um, most of it was Simonette. We have a couple of her fleeces. Um, I think you'll find her name is Simone. Is it Simone? <laughs> it is. I wasn't paying attention. Now, Erica's been doing a lot more with on than I have. Um, so uh, I used Simonette, was that uh, crazy uh, mohair with sparkle that we got from Louisa Harding when we first opened the store. Um, I don't know why that's still in my head. Um, anyway, they got to dye that. It's beautiful white uh, natural alpaca. Um, so we took each of those skeins, we soaked them in uh, scintillated water, which is just water and vinegar in the tentacle tube. Then we took the skein out, we added some concentrated dye color to the bottom of the tube. We dropped the skein back in and then we topped that up with a second color. Um, and then put the lids back on and stuck them out in the sun. Um, so the idea is that it was, they're kind of 75 gram skeins, they're a slightly unusual size uh, skein, so they did them by yardage. Um, so um, it, there's lots of space in the tube for the skein to be fairly loose in there. So by doing this particular method, we put it out in the, in the sun, let the colors mix together slowly, and then just, I got my students to come and kind of jiggle them a little bit every kind of hour or two when they remembered. Um, if they just wanted to get up from their project and stretch their legs a little bit, come out and kind of wave a yarn around a little bit. Um, basically getting those colors to very uh, slowly blend into each other. So when uh, we rinse the yarn out the next day after they'd had a full day to set, um, you get a very subtle, very subtle color blend between the two shades with some lots of variation from the sunlight hitting it. So it's a cool method, I like sun dyeing. Very fun. Um, so that took them, and again, that was just a few people at a time were, um, were kind of loading theirs up. That way there wasn't a big long waiting time um, to get to the color that you wanted. Uh, after that, it was getting on for dinner time. For dinner, we had... Uh, Southwest Bowls, or build your own Southwest Bowls. Um, so for this year, uh, we decided to, we do several kind of pick your own ingredient kind of things. Um, I actually made out cards for everyone to fill in with their names on top to make our lives a lot easier uh, so they could select what they wanted uh, to be served throughout the weekend and then they could always get extras if they want to but it made it uh, a lot easier than trying to get everyone kind of file past a buffet line or have us serving everyone individually right then so we could get their meals kind of prepped out and ready for them all in one shot. Um, so we had, they were all on a bed of rice but then there were, there was like seasoned beans and we... Uh, got some pulled chicken from Divine Barbecue, a local, a very local. It was like one mile away from um, from where we held the retreat. Um, it's just a little like hole in the wall, smoke your own barbecue joint. Um, and we had like sour cream and jalapenos and cheese and some local roasted corn. Yep, uh, we got corn from the it. farmers market and uh, roasted that. And I had roasted green peppers as well. Um, we had uh, salsa. Um, that I made um, from our homegrown tomatoes as well. Um, they had uh, chips and salsa as well. I used a different uh, tomato base for that because we didn't have enough homegrown ones. Um, the salsa was very good. There was extra leftover and I ate chips and salsa for like three meals when we got home. <laughs> <laughs> Only until we ran out of chips, I made lots of salsa. <laughs> um, and one thing about the, uh, the food, um, not only we try and source things locally, the things that we couldn't really get locally uh, we get um, a lot of our produce, nearly all of it, from a, a company called Imperfect, 
um, and they basically um, collect food waste. It could be excess uh, produced food. It could be funny shaped vegetables. Um, they've started doing kind of cupboard staples as well. Um, so stuff that has a short date codes or is doing repackaging, that kind of stuff. They sell it then at a discount um, and then it saves it basically going to landfill. Um, I feel like food waste is not the right description. It's things that do not get sold to the supermarkets from the farmers. So like if your carrot is a funny shape, you just have to throw your carrot away. Um, but it, because the grocery store only wants perfectly straight carrots. Um, but imperfect, imperfect produce buys the funny shaped carrots and then distributes it to people. And they do do a nice program as well um, where they send a portion of uh, everything they collect to food banks as well. Um, so they send a lot of stuff directly to people who can't afford to get the food themselves. Um, so I got most of our produce I ordered from there. So um, like the roasted peppers, all the onions for the um, like the onion soup um, they use throughout everywhere else. Um, and then um, even the lentils for the, for the lentil soup that I made um, came from Imperfect too. Uh, the canned tomatoes I got for the tomato salsa, so all of those um, were as sustainably sourced as possible. I'll be really, really happy with that service. Um, and you can even see um, on their website as you pick stuff up um, why uh, it's gone to um, to them, um, why it's marked as imperfect. Um, and this is not sponsored at all. We just simply like their service. <laughs> Yeah, nobody pays us to make this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, so after dinner, we had chocolate pineapple tamales for dessert, um, which we might have made up. That might not be a real thing. Um, there we they were like, tasty though. They Kids were. really liked the leftovers. They were eating them for a few days. At uh, tamale, there's a there's a tamale only restaurant called the Tamale Place. We have had chocolate tamales and we have had pineapple tamales, but we have never had a chocolate pineapple tamale. So mashup. Um, but they were, um, they were, I think they were a hit, although there was tons left over. So we've been eating chocolate tamales for two weeks. Everyone was really full after we fed them those giant Southwest bowls and <laughs> chips and salsa. And they'd have a, a full meal with, uh, several people going back for more soup afterwards. So, um, I think I just cooked too much food. This happens every year where I make far, far too much food. <laughs> Um, and then after dinner, Dave taught a needle felting class where everybody that wanted to made teeny tiny cactuses and other succulent plants um, and put them in teeny tiny plant pots. Um, we got little like one inch uh, terracotta pots um, and everybody did, did fun things. They were very cute. I liked those a lot and I think we still have some tiny pots. So those may... We, we might do some kits because I've got a bunch of stuff left. Okay. Um, so if you saw the teeny tiny succulent plants, uh, stay tuned on the yarn truck. There might be um, tiny cactus kits coming your way. Um, and then that was after that class was over, uh, we did fancy hot chocolate with fresh grated nutmeg. Um, and that was when we were going to open up to do some podcast recording, but I think they could look at us and tell that we were tired and we could look at them and tell that they were tired. So <laughs> everybody kind of went to bed. <laughs> it was sitting around in the evening. It wasn't kind of straight to bed thing, but, um, I think that it was, there's a lot of activity in the day by the time you've spent time with everyone and, um, done all the classes and eaten all the meals. And there were a couple of people who went out to walk around the grounds and it's, I think they were just wanting to settle in and relax and not have uh, mm -hmm. have us making noise in the background. So, yep. um, 
And then the next morning, uh, we had a yogurt oatmeal granola bar, um, and we kind of set it up about eight, um, along with coffee and tea, um, and kind of just let people buffet style serve themselves, uh, which worked well as everybody sort of filtered out as a different time. Um, so we, uh, we left that set up until about 9.30. Um, and we made, Dave had made spiced apples from our local apple orchard uh, to go on top. And my personal favorite combination, because I had to try about four different combos, um, <laughs> was the plain yogurt with homemade granola and spiced apples on top drizzled in Indiana maple syrup. That was the best combo. And we made far too much granola, and so I think we'll be eating that for the rest of time. <laughs> um, did you have a favorite combo? Mine was very similar. I did, I did pretty much the same thing, but then I added some of the freeze-dried uh, berries on the top as well for a little bit of tartness. Um, oh. That was really good. Indiana maple syrup is, is always a, a big hit, so um, I'm glad we didn't eat all of that because I've been eating that very similar thing over the last week or so. <laughs> Um, and then it was Erica's turn to teach classes um, on the second day. Um, so you did embroidery first, I believe? Yep. Yep, we did. Uh, we had a tiny little like three inch embroidery hoops and Dave had drawn a sheep wearing a hat on all of them. Um, and I had clipped three different colors of embroidery floss on it. And we just did the basic stitches um, just to give people kind of a taster of embroidery. It is certainly a technique that you can use with knitting or crocheting or weaving to put embroidery on top of the project that you have already made um, to add some more visual interest to it or some additional color. Um, and we did the back stitch, which is basically how you make straight lines, the cross stitch, like cross stitching, um, just making X's, um, the uh, satin stitch, which will let you kind of fill in areas. Um, and then we did a little bit of a embroidery chart following, um, that, like there was a diagram and it's what we used to make the pom-pom on the top to kind of get people used to looking at what the pictures would look like and figuring out how to do that. Um, it was just a quick little uh, project more to get people get people thinking about embroidery, um, especially if that wasn't something that they had done before. Um, and I think most people enjoyed it. Some people uh, finished absolutely beautiful, pristine looking projects. I suspect that those people had some previous embroidery experience. Um, some people did things that had a lot of character to them um, that were not necessarily <laughs> um, not necessarily quite as pristine, but still very beautiful. And then some people decided a couple of stitches in that embroidery was not their thing, and they chose to switch back to their knitting or crocheting project, which is fine too. Um, it's all about just having fun and exploring what your options are. Sometimes that exploration leads you to decide that a certain craft is not for you, and that's allowed. They're really stinking cute. A lot of very cute sheep. And then we did lunch. Um, while I was teaching that, Dave and our helper, uh, Bethany, who is the owner at ReCraft, um, she was helping us all weekend long and we could not have done it without her. Um, uh, they were working hard at making sandwiches um, with the sandwich press. So they built all the sandwiches. People had ordered, like done the little check mark thing um, for all of the toppings that they wanted. Uh, they built all the sandwiches, um, 
cook them all on the sandwich press and wrap them in aluminum foil and put them in the oven so that they stayed nice and warm. And so everybody had a hot sandwich ready to go um, all at the same time for lunch. I feel like that was our most successful everybody got to eat hot food at exactly <laughs> the same time meal um, for, the, for the retreat. We've done that sandwich press now for three, maybe four years. Um, that's always a big hit, so that always comes back for one lunchtime. Yep. Um, and then I did a How Yarn Works guided yarn tasting where I kind of talked through a question that we get often, like every week, if not every day, is how do I choose a yarn for a project? Like my pattern calls for X yarn, but I do I have to go out and buy X yarn or can I use Y yarn? Um, and so I kind of talked through for me um, uh, kind of the steps that I go through in my brain of... Uh, what things are the most important to to use for any one project and kind of just thinking through okay I see this ball of yarn on the shelf I think about what that's going to look like as I make it up in fabric and was that going to work for what I want it to um, so I, I talked through that um, everybody got a small little sample of three different of our hand dyed yarns um, to try out like the three different there were three different thicknesses made out of three different materials using three different dye techniques. Um, so we so kind of got to try about... out the uh, orchard lace, um, which is a noil silk in a dip and speckle technique, um, a true kettle dye in our Cirrus alpaca, which is a sport weight alpaca that comes in giant skein, um, and then the hand painted uh, brand new feast. They got to try that out as well. Um, so yeah, three three different fiber blends, three different thicknesses, three different dye techniques. Is that what I said? Yep. And um, I think that was the like late afternoon, um, like the coffee has worn off, but it's too early to go to bed. Um, there were a, there was a couple of sort of nod head nodding in the dozing in the afternoon sun um, kind of time, which I get because I really wanted a nap as well. It was a busy weekend. We had a bit of a drizzle overnight, and then it was beautiful, uh, kind of mild temperatures and sunshine the rest of the the rest of the time so it was it's very difficult not to uh, not to feel really lazy um and then to wrap everything up we did a british style afternoon tea um where we had made dave had made I, dave did all the cooking i <laughs> i got all the credit because i did most of the like serving um, but he did all the cooking uh, ahead of time um, we made clotted cream, which is a thing that you get in England a lot and is delicious, even though I think the name sounds kind of gross. Um, and I'll be doing a recipe for that as well um, in just a minute. And scones, um, he made them ahead of time and froze them and then baked them fresh on the day. Um, and jam um, and obviously tea um, and, and, and coffee and butter, not, not in the beverages on the scones. Um, and then we did show and tell, which is always one of my favorite. Everybody is invited to bring fancy projects that they're especially proud of or just show us what you've been working on for the weekend. Um, and I really like seeing all the work people have done. There were some really amazing and impressive pieces, some uh, beautiful pieces that people have hand spun and knit. Um, there was a couple of wonderful lace shawls. There's some beautiful um, dolls as well um, with really modern kind of style look to them. So there was some really, really cool stuff. Um, we're always very, very impressed with what everyone's working on, whether it's a project large or small, whether you're just starting or whether you've been working for years, we want to see what you've been making. So show us, we'd love to, especially if you made it out of one of our hand eyes or something we have on the truck. Um, and then throughout the weekend as well, um, we'd also make sure we have some really cool stuff available. So 
Um, we had the new feast for pre-release on the truck and the palette as well that had just come out um, uh, at Yana Springs the weekend before. So those were all on the truck as well, um, including a bunch of new fibers we'd opened up from Fragus. Um And the truck was there all weekend. Every time we do the retreat, you get 10% off if you come along on uh, everything you buy on the truck all weekend. Um, so basically you get a long time to kind of shop and decide and try out some of the things. Um, in the goodie bags, everyone got one of our new totes, and they got um, one of our little project bags, and then uh, a set of the um, stitch markers that we do, including the new crochet ones. Um, then one of our, our stitch gauges, um, a skein of brand new yarn from LRA that we have on the truck. It's um, the Rustic Aran, which is a merino wool and um, silk. Uh, an oil silk, beautiful kind of tweed, and a skein of the um, special retreat yarn, which was a Donegal um, and um, blue face Leicester sock yarn, and in a special retreat color. So we had that, and then there's lots of door prizes to give away for the weekend. Uh, and then I tried to at the retreat give everyone a bit of a sneak peek and a rundown of what will be coming out this winter. Uh, so everyone who was at the retreat knows some secrets we're not telling you here on the podcast yet, too. Are these secrets I know? I didn't hear secrets. <laughs> well, you knew them already. <laughs> One secret to you. <laughs> okay. Um, and we have learned from previous years to we we also brought everybody a ceramic coffee mug <laughs> um, uh, from the local thrift store. We every year we get there only to realize that the only coffee mugs available are like the little kitty ones. I call them Barbie Dream Cups. Like they're enough for like four sips of coffee, and they're that like melamite plastic stuff that I don't like drinking out of. Um, so we couldn't quite bring ourselves to do styrofoam um, as reducing our uh, trash is something that's really important to us. So we bought a variety of enthusiastic uh, ceramic mugs from the local thrift shop. We got the um, ugliest one this ones we could find yes um, <laughs> which had and obviously washed them well um, and let everybody choose their mug when they came in um, this had the added benefit of you knew which mug was yours so instead of having every mug be identical and you can never remember and so you never finish your drink because you don't remember which one was yours um, all the mugs were very distinct looking we've had that problem in the past we've done reusable mugs for people to take home for two years um, and people ended up leaving them behind and not being able to find their mug because they all look the same. So yeah, the, the thrift store mugs was a great idea. We'll do that again next year, I think. And quite a few people, everybody was welcome to take them home that wanted them. Um, and we we uh, took the remainder back to the thrift store we got them from. Um, but a surprising number of people took the, the garish mugs home with them. <laughs> Some of them were quite cool and pretty. And I also, I'm a big, uh, a big cup coffee drinker. So I got the largest cups that I could find. Um, but it was it was fun. Okay, that was a that was a quick rundown of the retreat. It was really fun. We always have a good time, um, and we'll be planning for the next one. And, and thank you everybody for coming as well. Yeah, thanks for coming. We really enjoyed having you, and we'd love to see you again next year. I know a few people have said uh, let us know as soon as possible so we can uh, we can do sign up. So if you came to the retreat this year, we may have an early sign up bonus for you too. Yep. And Dave is going to take you into the kitchen for uh, some recipes that we have just talked about. I'm going to go upstairs because I hear some crashing coming from our children who just woke up from their naps. <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear um, at least one of them running around upstairs. It's like a herd of elephants.
Um, they only weigh 30 pounds, I don't understand how you do it. Okay, so I wanted to give you uh, kind of three recipes um, that I did for the retreat that were three of the most popular. So if you came to the retreat and were asking for one of these recipes, well, here they are on the podcast. Write them down. Eric's going to put these in the show notes too. Um, so the first one was my butternut squash soup uh, that we did on the first day. Um, so this is a, a fairly easy soup to put together. A lot of it is just waiting. Um, so I took a large onion and chopped that up real fine. Just put in a little bit of uh, light olive oil to fry that up until the onions were translucent. Then I added uh, five cloves of rough, uh, roughly chopped uh, garlic. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to chop anything too fine because we're going to be immersion blending this at the end. Um, so put those in, just got those so they were um, just starting to release a little bit of their scent. You don't want to burn the garlic. Um, then added in a full small butternut squash, um, peeled and de-seeded and then chopped roughly into like one inch or so cubes. Added that in that like roast for a second, um, just until you've started to see just the tiniest uh, like touch of uh, brown on the corners of that. Um, that just adds to add a little bit more depth to the flavor. And then um, I added in two um, full cans of coconut milk. Um, I actually made this larger for the retreat, but this gives you the proportions to make it at home. Um, so two full cans of coconut milk, um, and then just rinse out those cans with a tiny little bit of water. Um, and then a couple of uh, bouillon cubes. Uh, for retreat, I used a uh, vegetable, um, just because we had some vegetarians. At home, I like to use uh, chicken. I just think it has a little bit more um, depth of flavor to it. Uh, so I added that in. And then we need to spice it up a little bit because we're making this as a Thai spiced um, soup. So I added in um, some cayenne pepper, um, or you could use, if you wanted to, um, a chipotle. Um, you add this into taste. If you don't like things too spicy, don't add too much in. Um, and then that, that garlic and onion and coconut and chili is gonna give you that Thai base. And then just let that simmer. Um, really just put the lid on it, cook it on low. Basically you want the butternut squash until it's really cooked through and soft. Um, that helps to give it the most kind of sweetness to it and the most uh, kind of depth to that soup. Um, and then just before um, you're ready to take that off the heat, I added in a bunch of um, roughly chopped um, Thai basil. It has that kind of slight anise flavor to it. A fairly small bunch for this. Uh, take it off the heat. Takes about kind of 40, 45 minutes to, to cook through uh, so that butternut squash is nice and soft. Um, and then immersion blended it. And that's all you need to do. Um, and then the soup is ready to stir, serve. So you want to try and get this as smooth as you can. Uh, squashes and pumpkins can be a little bit fibrous. Um, so you want to really make sure you get well in there with the immersion blender. Try not to really leave any lumps uh, to make sure you have the, the best texture for the soup. But it makes a beautiful creamy soup. A bit of sweetness from the coconut um, and a little bit of kind of pungency from the onion and the chili. Um, and that kind of anise flavor gives you a really nice uh, Thai um, curry kind of flavor. And we got through a huge pan of that soup uh, at the retreat. Um, every single little bit of it that was gone, so I know that was a popular one. Um, then the banoffee pies that we served for dessert on that day. This is the easiest recipe ever. Um, it, it seems like you're doing something complicated, but this is one of those ones where I got a lot of things pre-made, just because it's easier and cheaper um, for the same thing. Um, so this recipe makes two uh, pies, simply because of the proportions. 
Uh, for this, you're going to need two graham cracker crusts, uh, four um, whole bananas. You don't want ones that are too ripe. Uh, they want to be fairly firm for this. Um, a can of dolce de leche. Um, you could do this with condensed milk and boil it down yourself um, to make that uh, toffee. But if you go to the um, Latin foods aisle, uh, basically at any large supermarket, you're going to be able to find uh, dolce de leche pre-made in that little can. Makes your life so much easier. You don't have to boil things for an hour. Um, and then one full pint of heavy whipping cream. And then the only other ingredient you're going to need is a half teaspoon of good vanilla extract. I use the Penzi Spices, um, their Mexican vanilla extract, which is a really nice one. It has a, um, it's not too uh, fiery. They use really good quality uh, vanilla beans. So uh, that's, a, that's a really good one to use. Um, so all you do for this one is you chop up your bananas um, into kind of a quarter inch thick slices. Lay those in a like a double thick layer in the bottom of the crusts. Then take your stand mixer. Uh, if you have one, if not, use a handheld mixer. You can do it with a handheld beater, like manual beater, but it'll take forever. Um, then add in all of the cream, the vanilla, and the dolce de leche all at once, um, and start it on slow. Um, that dolce de leche is gonna be super kind of claggy, so you need to mix this slowly into the cream to almost kind of dissolve it in there before you turn it up high. Otherwise you're gonna whip um, kind of goop all over your kitchen. Um, so get that so it's thoroughly blended and mixed together um, and you get kind of a, just a, a caramel looking kind of cream. Um, and then turn the speed up slowly until you basically got it on the highest whip setting and just let it set. You want to get this until it's got as much air in it as possible. So try not to over whip that cream, but get it um, get it really as, as whipped and light and airy as possible. And then you wanna pour that mixture half on each of the crusts and chill. Um, and this works really well. You can um, make it and then uh, refrigerate for a couple of days. You can actually make it and freeze it and then cut it while still frozen. Um, and then let it thaw out. That works really well as um, the like the bananas and then the whipped cream based topping um, with that toffee in there can be really kind of uh, difficult to cut cleanly with a knife if it gets too warm. Um, so that can be really useful to freeze it, cut it while it's uh, frozen, and then um, you have easily colored portion pieces. And then you can take it out of the freezer and it doesn't take very long to, um, to thaw out in the refrigerator. So that's how we did it for the retreat. I froze them, cut them, and then served them um, after they thawed in the refrigerator. It works really well. Um, and then the last thing would be uh, the clotted cream. Uh, so this is traditionally served for a British uh, cream tea, where you'll have this um, with scones and uh, butter and jam, and then the clotted cream with your tea. Um, this is something that people mostly have in Britain on vacations when they go um, like hiking in Yorkshire, you come back to a tea room and get this. Um, but the clotted cream sounds gross, but it's really, really tasty. Uh, it's basically cream that's been really, really condensed um, at a low temperature. So this, um, I said the banoffee pie was the easiest recipe in the world. This might be even easier. Um, take a crock pot um, and set it to warm. You don't want to set it any higher than that. Um, pour two quarts of heavy cream into it. You ideally want to get pasteurized, not ultra pasteurized, as that tends to make it more difficult for it to clot. Um, and then leave it overnight. You wanna leave it for a full 12 hours. And that's it. 
you come back you want to chill that crock pot just lift the, the pot um, out of the main body um, very carefully without kind of shaking it too much and chill that pot for about six hours um, at that stage what will happen is the the cream that's kind of started to it's clotting it's congealing on the top it sounds gross um, actually forms like a, a thick layer um, of condensed cream on the top it's kind of halfway between like cream and butter um, on the top of the the pot let that set and cool and then skim that off the top so you get this beautiful rich um, kind of sweet cream that you will top off your scones with it's, it's really good um, and then the remainder of what you get from there um, we actually made uh, to eat at home some roasted corn chowder um, I did this recipe um, a long time ago when we released a program we called Taste of Nomad, which may eventually come back, um, which was a, um, a monthly box scheme that came with a skein of yarn um, and a recipe. Um, you can check out the first blog post on that. We gave the recipe away um, on our website, and I think Eric is going to link to that in the show notes. Um, so I used that instead of the cream in that recipe. I used the remainder of what was um, in that clotted cream. It's just still good cream. It's just it's just a lot lighter. Um, and that was it for in the kitchen this week. And then just before we sign off, I'm going to give you a quick where's nomad because we have a few things coming up. Um, a lot of our midweek stops uh, coming up for the next uh, month or two. We are still planning, so we will be out somewhere, um, but we are waiting to uh, give final announcements for those so it's the 8th of October today so I will be teaching scarf dyeing at the Avon library um, this evening from 6.30 to 8.30 I believe there are still a couple of spots so um, if by some miracle we get the podcast that way then come and join us um, and then that's the last offer this week as Erica was in Terre Haute yesterday uh, until Saturday and Erica will be out Saturday and Sunday at the Full Fiber Expo um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. This is a big, big show. Um, it, most of it's indoors in um, a building, I think, a big tent. Um, so we'll be parked there uh, with full fiber goodies, including those two new yarn lines, uh, the Feast and the Fireworks. Um, so those will be there this weekend. Um, next week, uh, we don't have anything uh, midweek on the calendar yet, but do check out on the website. We're hoping to get a stop confirmed soon. Um, but on the 19th and 20th, Erica will be out of state again, and I might be with her this time for the uh, Autumn Fibre Festival in Ashland, Ohio. That's in Northern Ohio, and that's a two-day show for Saturday and Sunday, so we'll be out there again uh, for another show. Then again, midweek stops. We don't have anything uh, confirmed on our calendar. I'm still working on those for the next week, but Saturday the 26th of October, um, in the morning, we'll be um, in Irvington for their uh, Irvington Halloween Festival. Um, we won't be staying all day as we're going to some friend's wedding in the afternoon. Um, and that will bring us in at to the end of the month. We've got some really cool stuff coming up um, in November, including those um, regular stops will be starting soon. And I've got another couple of things I'm confirming. So we have lots of cool stuff coming up in the fall. Keep an eye out on our website, our Facebook, and our Instagram, as we'll be adding um, some new stops a little bit closer to the time than we normally do. But uh, stay tuned, come find us on the road. Uh, happy crafting, and I'm sure you'll hear from Eric. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, nomadyardshop.com. 
And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.